Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to DraftKings Network. is the GM Shuffle. I think Miami, the, the undefeated season in 72 is going to be like the Maggio's hitting streak. It's going to be like Al Michaels tie. No one's going to touch it. Like, it's impossible to beat. No team's going to go undefeated, nor do I think a team wants to go undefeated. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, week six, the Sunday slate. Boy, it gave us a lot to talk about. A lot of in-game decisions, red zone stuff, tilting results. But we will start, though, with the two unbeatens going down. Pop that champagne, 72 Dolphins. Mercury, Morris, the whole crew were popping champagne bottles. No more undefeated teams in the NFL. And we saw the last one go down in the Meadowlands yesterday afternoon. Eagles falling to the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 20-14. to You know, both teams lost, but I'm not <laughs> sure the other team really won. You know, I mean, I think both teams helped the other teams in this situation. And look, let's face it. Both teams were going to lose at some point. We know weather was a factor, certainly in Cleveland, when you watch that game. And in Philly, it's so not typical for them to turn the ball over as much as they did in the second half. So, look, it's probably a blessing because they don't they can stop talking about being undefeated. Mm. You can kind of get on with your season. Obviously, both teams lead. To me, forget the loss, right? Forget the loss. McCaffrey, Debo losing. Lane Johnson and the injuries at Reed Blankenship and all those other guys on the that's the more concerning thing from the game, not the loss. Right? That's the more concerning. The Eagles are playing with two backup offensive linemen in the game on the right side of their line. 
the, the 49ers offense changed dramatically when McCaffrey leaves and Trent Williams also had to leave the game. So to me, I think that's really where the storyline has to go moving forward. But I, I think in just retrospect, watching the game, you know, watching all the games, last night's game, the really the red zone offense of football oh. in the National Football League is at an all-time, all-time bad. It's really bad. And I don't have an answer for it. I know some teams trying to run it in. They can't. You know, Miami's five for five. They've got unique players. Uh, the red zone always is about players making plays. I get that's really mm-hmm. simple. But there's some really bad red zone decisions in terms of play calling. Run, run, pass. Run, run, run. You know, it's like at some point we got to figure out a way to get the ball in the end zone. And yesterday I went through it, Femi. There were uh, – I. When you go through the game, and I'm sure you watch, since you're four game Femi, you watched them all. We were eight game Baltimore, Femi. Las Vegas, the Jets, the Giants, the Saints, Seattle, right? Oh. Those five, those those six games, those teams were five for thirty one in the red zone. You wonder why scoring's down. We will get to Seattle, Cincinnati. That game was crafted uh, in a lab for in a special place called hell with the red zone that was going on in that one with the Seahawks, especially. But I do want to get back to the New York Jets, though, because they get this victory, big win for them going three and three now heading into the bye week. Speaking of red zone, they were one for four in the red zone. It felt like watching that game. Every single Jets drive, they would drive the ball into Eagles territory, but then somehow punt the football. But credit the Jets and their defense forcing those four turnovers and getting this victory. Zach Wilson, he protected the football, 9 of 33, 186. And that's what the game came down to. Eagles four turnovers, Jets zero turnovers, Jets get the win. Which I kind of thought the Jets were going to turn it over. I kind of thought that Wilson would have turned it over. You know, I kind of didn't think the way the game played in my head I didn't. If you would have told me when the Eagles win it at halftime with 14 points that that was all they're going to score for the rest of the day, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah. I'd have said you're crazy. But when you look at the when you look at their breakdown and you look at the second half and it's filtered with all the mistakes that they made. You know, Lane went out in the first quarter. I think he went out in the first quarter, mm-hmm. and you know this was you know he was under pressure. There's no question about it. I mean, the you know everybody says. What's the record, the Eagles' record without Lane? Oh, Hold on, I got it right here. I yeah. wrote it down this the, the morning. The splits I mean, are crazy, yeah. I mean, it's it's insane, but let, let's face it. I mean, that when you know you have a legitimate, really good left tackle, right? I mean, you're not going to sit there and – a right tackle, you're not going to sit there and, and pretend like he's not going to make any plays, right? So I, I think to me, you know, that, that comes down to having the backup. The backup's got to play good, right? The backups are 84-48-1 in games Johnson plays. They're 13-22 when he's sidelined. Mm. Which, to me, if you know that, you got to have a really good swing tackle. Unfortunately, the Eagles don't. And then they have a backup right tackle. Steed, the draft pick, didn't play. Aperta played in there on the right side of the line. And, and I think the Jets did a good job of taking control. But at the end of the day, really, when you break it down, I mean, look, this is a game that the Eagles had every chance to win. Unfortunately, that again, you know, their second-half drive chart goes punt, punt, interception, missed field goal, interception, downs. Any uh, any optimism on the Jets' side of it? Because they did do this without their top two corners, Sauce Gardner in the concussion protocol, DJ Reed also in the concussion protocol as well. Like anything for that Jets' defense that you would like to take away, or do you think that this was just Philadelphia kind of just having one of those days where everything went wrong? I mean, the interception by Hertz was really strange. The third and yeah. eight call – I think if they punt it there, they still win the game. 
You know, I don't think Zach, Zach Wilson's going to beat you. Uh, I think, look, they stopped the run. I think that's the critical component of the game, and I didn't think they could. I mean, Hurts their leading rusher at 47 yards. Swift had 10 carries for 18 yards. You know, they stopped the run, and they made Hurts have to throw the ball 45 times, and they gave up the one, the 49-yard pass to A.J. Brown, who is, I mean, beyond sensational. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Like, that catch he made was beyond sensational. I wasn't sure it was his catch. Scott Novak had to get a lot of airtime, certainly, which we all love that, right? We can't wait to get him some airtime. But, I mean, it was a great catch. I, I don't know. You know, I can't ask. I, like, how does this team lose to the Patriots? How do the Patriots run for 150 yards on the Jets and the Eagles run for 80? It didn't really make any sense. It's hard to kind of capture. Yeah, it is. But we I was talking with Elliot, our producer, before uh, we got started recording this thing. And back in the summertime, when we looked at that Jets schedule, even before Rodgers was hurt, we said, if they go into the bye three and three, I think they would sign up for that. And here they are without Aaron Rodgers, without a couple of corners. I'm sure those guys will come back here next week or after the bye. And they're sitting now at three and three, which on Thursday, I want to have a bigger conversation about the New York Jets and what they might do this week, because they got to feel like that. Hey, we're right there. If we can just get some production on offense, that's a little bit more consistent. Maybe oh, we can make going the down. The, you don't want to have the Kirk Cousins. They're not going to get Kirk Cousins. Or maybe can somebody else. have that conversation, Maybe please? someone else. I mean, I mean right, what, Kirk what, Cousins what, already said it. I mean, it's already out there. He'll veto the trade, which... It, look, Kirk Cousins is a family guy, right? Yeah. He's, to, for him to go someplace that he can't be convinced he's going to get his contract, he's going to get his kids in school, he's going to be there for more than – he's not going to live out of, a, out of a hotel and eat at IHOP. I mean – They have nice so, restaurants in Jersey. Yeah. I mean, look, that, that's just – I mean, you, you're, you're thinking like there's no human element to the yeah. transaction. That's what you're thinking like, and it's hard to get him. I mean, he's not going to go there for nine games knowing that he's going to leave his family behind. I, I don't see it. Right, you can talk about it on Thursday. I might not contribute. That's all. <laughs> well, I hope you contribute to this discussion. 49ers, they fall to the Cleveland Browns yesterday. Jake Moody missing the 41-yard field goal as time expired out there in Cleveland. 1917, P.J. Walker led Cleveland Browns. He gets the quarterback win, lead but the, 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 defense, the defense, put, the, the defense is what got it he done. Threw, <laughs> he threw one pass he tried for to 48 throw it away. yards to Cooper. He tried to the throw next, the game away. 58 yards. The next longest pass play he had for the day was 11 yards. Like, he did everything in his power to help him lose. He threw two picks. Should have been a third one. Won the game. Here, here, we talk about this all the time. Okay, why did we win? Why did we lose, right? The 49ers lost the game. Moody missed the kick, but that's irrelevant. They gave up 160 yards rushing to a team that you knew they had to run the ball. Like, to a team that had to run the ball. They gave up 4-7 a carry. And here's what's the most distinguishing thing about that, Femi. The longest run was 22 yards. It wasn't like... Like when you watch the Baltimore game against Tennessee, right? Mm. You look at the stat sheet and say, oh, man, Derrick Henry, good day, right? No, he had one long run. Everything else, it was a pain, right? They didn't have that. I mean, they didn't have – they had a 22-yarder, a 16-yarder, and a 20-yarder on a reverse. I mean, they ran the football on San Francisco. Give credit to Stefanski for coming up with that. Billy Callahan, the line coach. And they overcame their quarterback. I mean, he throws – they threw 34 times in a game. I mean, you call 34 pass plays with, with P.J. Walker. You've you got to be holding on to your ass. Yeah. you got to be holding on to your ass. But, look, this game, the best defense on the field and the best defense in the National Football League, it's clear. It's Cleveland. It's not close. The stat I gave out on Thursday about Schwartz knowing how to play it, it played out. He knows how to take away the game. 
They're three for 12 on third down. Weather helped them too. Don't get us wrong. Mm-hmm. But to Injuries beat Cleveland, too. you better be really good offensively. Baltimore put points on them. San Francisco couldn't. McCaffrey goes out. San Francisco, what they had? They averaged three nine a play, Femi? Yep. It was 3-9 and played 215 yards. This was an offense that outside of Miami was like the most efficient offense in the NFL. They were scoring 30 points in every single game. They hadn't lost a regular season game, Michael, since they made the trade for McCaffrey last year midseason. Like they were humming along and they go into Cleveland, an absolute buzzsaw of a place. They lose this game. And get this. This was from Nick Wagoner, who covers the San Francisco 49ers. He talked about how Cleveland plays a lot of man coverage very well. They played man coverage on 71% of the dropbacks, their highest this season. Brock Purdy was 7 of 17 for 96 yards, one touchdown, one INT, two sacks, and a QBR of 12.0. Cleveland now, is has a, they allow only a 7.5 QBR in man coverage against any team that they play all season long. Like They, they, they were just absolutely good. ridiculous on defense. And we said it before the game, though. Their corners can cover. Look, their corners are good. Their whole defense is good. You can't run the ball on them. You cannot, and then they force you into a passing game, which they're very good at being able to handle it. I mean, the, they 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 gave up four three a carry. You know, I, I didn't think Purdy. I mean, look, the weather was a huge factor in the game. The wind, I mean, yeah. let's let's not let's not dismiss this, right? And Purdy leads him on a nine play drive. He gets three first downs at the end of the game against a good defense, and the kid just missed a kick. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. You know, it's like when they lined up to kick when they lined up to kick the kick in Oregon and the ball's in the middle of the field like that, mm-hmm. you're always hesitant about making the kick. You want the ball on a hash mark yep. where the guy can play his fade or play his play his hook. You know, and that and that was one of those kicks. Moody, you know, he, look, he's kicked in bad weather. He's a Michigan kicker. Yeah. But you know, he missed two kicks yesterday. He was wide, he he missed uh the fifty four yarder wide left and a forty one yarder wide right. And also important to note, like Debo Samuel, he left the game with a shoulder injury. Trent Williams left but came back. McCaffrey, though, that's the big one with the oblique injury. McCaffrey did not finish this game. And I think being able to play that man coverage, you can do it a little bit more liberally when McCaffrey is off the field because we always talk about him being that weapon and being that chess piece, the the straw that stirs the drink there in San Francisco. When he's off the field, they are a little bit more normal offensively, I feel like. Yeah, they change. That They're no longer positionless football. He's kind of like I've always said. He's the lightning rod to their offense. Yeah. They'll have to change. Yeah, we'll see what happens with McCaffrey. I believe he's going to have an MRI today with that oblique injury. Hopefully he's not out long. We love watching him play football here. On the other side, I'll ask you, though, which team should we be more concerned about, Niners or the Eagles, also get to Sunday Night Football next? You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. 
done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO1 daily symbiotic. Go to seed.com shuffle and use code 25shuffle. That's 25shuffle to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 daily symbiotic at seed.com shuffle. Code 25shuffle. So do we have any concern with these two top uh, teams in the NFC, the Niners and the Eagles, now at 5-1 and one going forward? I, mean, I know you, you outlined the injuries is what you're concerned about, and we'll find that information out this week. But other than that, anything that kind of makes you think twice, or is it just, hey, a bump in the road and they'll get back on track? I think it's a bump in the road. I, I think yeah. you have to take a look at it. I mean, look, the, if the Niners make the field goal, we're not even having this discussion. 6-0. Yeah. And if the Eagles, if, if Jalen Hurts doesn't stare down the receiver and throw the ball into a simple cover three where he kind of alerted the, the linebacker right over to the throw, we're not having this conversation either. They scored no points in the second half. I mean, sometimes these losses are good for you. You kind of kind of wake everybody up and move on. They're hard to play. Look, the Niners are hard to play. The Eagles are hard to play. The Lions are hard to play. Yeah. You put them in the hard to play. I mean, that's you got to put them in a hard category. Miami's hard to play on offense. Their offense is hard to play. Buffalo, the next game we'll get to, mm. is hard to play. But I think what we saw last night was without Milano, yep. without legitimate corners in the back end, without without Daquan Jones inside, maybe this is there's some there's some reason for concern. And I've said this so many times on the pod. When Buffalo doesn't play from in front, took 14 points in the fourth quarter. They're not the same team defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like Buffalo is a little bit like a better version of Dallas of being like front runners out there on the field there. But the Buffalo Bills, they get to win 14 to nine on Sunday Night Football. Not many people had this expected. Largest point spread of the week, 15 and a half is what this thing closed. Giants covered this thing, no doubt, wire to wire. Uh, heck of an effort from the New York Giants. They outgained Buffalo slightly, 317 to 297. But uh, the, the end of half and end of game situation is what everybody's talking about. And that's what the Giants are going to want back in this one. The end of half. How does that happen, Michael? Like, like they have no timeouts. Yeah. Like, like what, what the hell's going on? There? At least get the three points, man. Well, I mean, we saw it with the, your boy Dan Lanning. He did it too. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we started Saturday with the stupidity and we ended Sunday with the stupidity. <laughs> what a Look, sport. I, I don't know how you defend it, right? I don't know how you defend it. You say, well, we gave the quarterback two plays at the line. Why, why would we even give him two plays? Why wouldn't we just mm-hmm. have the call to spike it? Like, what do we try? Why would we put the game in his hands? You know? Tyrod's going to take the heat for it. I mean, we're situational awareness, right? We, this is something we don't talk enough about, where sometimes the players have to have it too. The coaches need to have it. What's the situational awareness of the moment? You know, I can't make a mistake. How do I avoid losing before I win the game? Well, you avoid losing when you call a run. Now, San Francisco got away with it in week two against the Rams. Brock Purdy yeah. did the quarterback sneak and got in. But this was, to me – you know, you get it down there to the one yard. You got to spike it and just kick the goddamn thing. I mean, it's horrible. Horrible. You know, and, you know, you turn the ball over on downs. 
you know, the play before, and then you get it, you know, and you get it back. And, you know, I, I, I just think to me, it's, you know, I, I, it, it's one of, it's inexcusable. Cause you go back and look at it and you say, if we just make that kick, we're going to win the game. Yeah. The, the Eagles did it against the Rams too. Jalen Hurts got the sneak in there at the end of the half to score a touchdown and, and steal seven points there as well. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I, when I was watching it, because obviously this is a systemic problem. Like, I don't know why they would give a guy an option at that point. It's like, hey, we just have to throw the ball or just go ahead and kick the field goal right there. But from the body language, it looked like, I think, I don't know if Tyrod forgot that they had no timeouts because he looked a little casual when I looked at How the play. How could he forget, Femi? There's the helmet of communication going on. I mean, he like, was he was walking like he was, out to, over, he was out to, out to lunch <laughs> right after the play. Once the play's over, the sideline talks to him. Like, I don't, I get what you're saying is sometimes in the heat of – but you got somebody in your ear. This isn't like the old days when Weeb Eubanks over there on the sideline screaming a name. Like, like there's something – you're in his ear. I, I'd go back and watch the tape, man. He looked like he was out to lunch and then all of a sudden had the oh shit I'm moment. Not, I'm not disagreeing up. with you. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, look, I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand it either. Or why these are like, hey, reminder, hey, hey, we gotta like, we cannot go ahead and not get the, to the touchdown because if we don't, the clock's gonna run out. And they didn't have enough time clearly to spike it. But still, with all that said, they had a chance to win this game, and they get the pass interference call in the end zone. Fourth and on the, on the untimed down, they unfortunately can't hit Darren Waller. Got grabbed again there, but you're not going to get back-to-back pass interference calls. Like that's never going to happen, uh, even though it probably was de- defensive pass interference. But uh, a one that got away for the New York Giants, who they showed Did that you, they had a little bit of life there. I thought the fourth and eight, they're at their own 36, right? Mm-hmm. You know, at their own 36, and when Buffalo tried that field goal, right? Well, first of all, fourth and eight, the Giants are at their own 38. And why would you go for it after the two-minute warning? Why would you go for it there? Yeah, I wasn't really too sure about that one. You give Buffalo the ball back at the 37, right? And, you know, now I know you're down in the game. You're probably thinking, okay, if we punt, we'll never get the ball back. So I get that. Okay, so you go for it, right? You know, you Mm -hmm. go for it. But then Buffalo at the giant 36, they try a 53-yard field goal. It looked windy to me. Like, if we don't make this field goal, like, it's the same thing that happened the week before with the Raiders when yep. on Monday night when Carlson misses that field goal, they, they give the opponent a chance to get right back into the field position. Unfortunately, Green Bay throws the interception. But, like, to me, that was – now you're playing on a half a field and a field goal beats you. Yeah. No, I, I thought like, – I, I, I thought that was not – like, I don't know if I would – 53-yard field goal in Buffalo – at 12 o'clock at night with the wind howling. I don't know if I'm trying that one. No, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I think you, you try to do the, the coffin corner punt, little pooch punt right there, and make them drive it 90 yards to go ahead and beat you. Like, like the field goal, like, yes, you would go up eight if you make the field goal, but still, you're still in a one-possession game. It doesn't help you that much. It's not like you're trying to make a six-point game, a nine-point game. Like, like, you're still only a one-possession game. I thought that you would punt the football right there. It's just way too risky and not, a, not enough reward for me to go ahead and try that. And it almost bit the Bills in the butt. But you mentioned, though, the defensive injuries, which I think is the key thing, because New York Giants moved the ball pretty consistently throughout this game, yeah. despite only having nine points there. When, they, when the Buffalo Bills play better teams, the loss of Milano, the loss of Daquan Jones, the loss of Tredavious White, that's going to hurt them because they really missed those guys last night. Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? They got the Giants were in 19 third downs in the game. 19. That's, that's historic. 19 third downs in the game, and they converted 10 of them. <clears throat> they were over 50% on third down. And so the, this defense is based on being in third down. They're, they're a third down defense. They want to be able to rush the passer. Mm-hmm. 
And, I mean, you got Justin Pugh at left tackle. I mean, they kicked him out early in the game, the left tackle. And, and, and it wasn't – I thought they were, better with Ty, they were better with Tyrod than they were with Daniel. They really were. Yeah. I thought Tyrod would have gotten hurt. I really did. I didn't think he could hold up. But, you know, he, he didn't get hit. He didn't get hit as much as I thought he was going to get hit. So you got to give the Giants credit for bouncing back. But, I mean, look, it, it's inexcusable. The Where the Giants were great last year was in situational football. And this mm-hmm. year they haven't been. Yeah. Let's yeah, be yeah. honest. I mean, they're 0 for 6 in the red zone last night. You know? Or was it 0 for 5? I'm sorry. They're 0 for 5 in the red zone. You can't win games when you're 0 for 5 in the red zone. Brian Dable, year two, like any because it feels like I don't know if it's the frustration of the losing, but like it, it, he's really lighting into some of these guys here. For he the looks like he's a little made. to me. You know, it's always funny they say, well, you know, guys from the Belichick school they yell at people. Bill, ne- Bill's never out of control in the side. Brian oh. seems to me like he's reacting as opposed to thinking. Yeah, right, and he's too emotional on the sidelines. To me, he looks like he's yelling at everybody. I think to me, it, it seems like, and I know Brian really well, and I like Brian, but it seems to me like he's letting the he's becoming desperate, and his behavior is desperate, right? As opposed to being courageous and staying in there, and like, okay, we got this, you know. And he's going flying off the handle, and I've never known him to be this emotional. So it's uh, to me, I like coaches that kind of can control their ways on the sideline. They got to think. What's Landry say? When they asked him, how come, how come you're always so quiet on the sideline and you never smile? And his answer is, because I'm thinking of the next play. Well, you got to be thinking of the next situation. And if you're yelling at your coaches or yelling at your players, you're not. Yeah. Like, I think there's a, there's a I don't want to say there's an etiquette, but there's got to be a way to where you've got to control your emotions. Because when you start to make decisions with emotions, you're in trouble. Composure. <laughs> you want to see your head coach show composure on the sidelines. And I thought it was really jarring when I think it was Melissa Stark with the sideline reporter uh, for NBC on the game. At, at, after this halftime, she said that I asked Brian Dable about like what happened there. And he said that, I'm sorry, Melissa, I can't even think straight. Like, I'm just like, so like, infer- like I just I can't do this. I'm not in the right mental space. I'm like, buddy, we got a whole second half that we got to play here yeah. and figure out like you can't be in that frame of mind of I can't think straight. And like, I'm just so angry. Like, no, like, we got to move on. Yeah, it's a bad mistake, but we got 30 minutes of football left to be played. So, yeah, hopefully right. he gets that under control. Well, especially since he doesn't call the – I mean, sometimes you think he's calling the plays. I don't know if he is or not, but he's got the script in front of him, and he doesn't call the defense. So, like, you're managing the game. So stay calm. Yeah. Stay calm, you know, and dictate what you want with the game. This is what we practice. This is what we need. I think sometimes – I think one of the reasons the red zone is so bad, I think one of the reasons the red zone is so bad because some of the guys who are calling the games, you know, are, are not really understanding the game. You know, I think sometimes you got to, when you get down there, you got to understand the game. You know, it's like I, I tweeted, I, I wrote, we wrote this column on the Daily Coach about analytics doesn't know who's on the field. They really don't. Somebody sent me back, they know exactly how fast they are and they know exactly who's. No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't know that it's J.J. Watt or Timmy Watt. They have no idea, okay? So it has nothing to do with that. You got to know what's going on in the game, what's happening with the game. How do we play? What's the who's hurt? Who's not on the field? Who's the backup? Who should we go after? When you get to the red zone, that's what it all matters. <laughs> Miami, Miami does it. I mean, you give them credit. Look, Miami, they're one of the greatest cover teams we'll ever see. Because oh my gosh, they can't. 
but see, here's what people don't understand about Miami. They don't. Miami can't change what they do offensively. They're mm-hmm. so bad in their offensive line. If they played a normal offense without skill players like they have, they would get the quarterback killed. So he's married to that scheme, and and he deserves this because he's invented it and he's hiding his line. He's done a great job of hiding his offensive line. You can't get to it. It's the weakness of the team, and he hides it. So when he gets in situations where he needs to four-minute the game, he doesn't get into two tight ends or 12 personnel. He just keeps doing what he does. Yep. And, and it's hard to stop him. Some teams, they get into 12 personnel, and the next thing you know, they're trying to run this and run that and do this and do that. You know, you're sitting there saying, don't tell me you're going to run the ball inside here. And, of course, they do. Minus one. I mean, first drive of the Baltimore game. They got second and one, right? Of course, we went up. We, uh, we got a pitcher of Todd Munkin, came back down. Then we got another pitcher of Todd Munkin, came back down. Got another pitcher of Todd Munkin, came back down, you know, because he's changing the offense. And they run the goddamn, they run a, a zone play into a loaded front with a blitzer. Like, are we serious here? It was a very And we're supposed game. to not be in a bad play. Well, we're going to break down some more red zone woes and go to Cincinnati because Seahawks, Bengals, boy, that was a doozy. We'll be the back. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. What a week we have. Sun up to sundown, college basketball conference tournaments all day long for your betting pleasure. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHUFFLE. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHUFFLE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources let's put the seahawks Bengals off to the side for now here we will get to that game because i'm just curious to get your thoughts on what the hell we saw happening in the red zone especially as it pertains to seattle but uh how about the detroit lions the restoration is in progress and it might almost be complete as they start out here five and one their best start since 2011 beating the tampa bay buccaneers 20 to 6 jared goff terrific 30 of 44 353 two touchdowns this was without both of their number two, their running backs. I mean, Jameer Gibbs was out. David Montgomery got hurt in this game. And the Lions just kept trucking along a complete team victory. And they went on the road once again. Well, I mean, look, I think everybody's going to talk about golf's game. And, and he's been playing better on the road if you pay attention to him. And he's one of the best cover guys in yeah. the league in terms of ATF. So, you know, he's done a really good job. But I thought the most interesting factor about this game was the Lions couldn't run the ball. And yet they were still able to make plays. I mean, they had 22 carries for 40 yards. The Bucks made them one-dimensional. The Bucks basically did what I always say you have to do to, to Goff is put the ball in his hands in a play act, in, outside of play action. And they were able – and he made plays. I mean, the Williams catch was insane. Yeah. 
the St. Brown run was insane. Mm -hmm. You know, those were two insane plays. And when they lost Montgomery, you know, then Reynolds goes in the backfield. He couldn't pass protect. That became a problem. And yet they were still able to control the fourth quarter. They had the ball for 10 minutes, and Baker was Baker. I mean, nine times the ball got touched by the Lions defense. This was a game about the Lions controlling it, playing really good football, dominating all three levels, and playing outside their comfort zone. Outdoors and no run game. And they still won by two touchdowns. To me, that shows you they're for real. Are the Lions, would you put them on the tier with San Francisco and Philadelphia? Well, I, I don't know if they're on that tier. To, I mean, defensively, they're physical as hell, right? Yeah. Now, look, this was a game, if you listen to any of the Sharps, I mean, everybody was on the Bucks in this game. And they're going to tell you that, you know, the Bucks was the play here. It really wasn't because when the Bucks have to play against a good team, all right, Philadelphia, everybody was on the Bucks against Philly taking the five and a half. Remember that? Yep. How'd that work out? That, that line went, I think, five and a half to three and a half. This line was three and a half, went to three. Everybody was on the Bucks. No, the Lions are a cover machine. I don't know if there is elite. Mike Evans had some drops in the game. Baker got balls tipped. Interception right there. Nine tips in the game. Nine times the ball got touched by the defense. So, you know, I do think that they'll, like this week against Baltimore on the road will be a tough game for them. But Baltimore is going to be a tough game on the road for anybody. Yeah. And what makes it interesting is if they don't run the ball, they still found a way to win. Give them credit. Yeah, give them credit. Yeah. This I, front's good. It's hard to block. They, they move Hutchinson around. They can pressure. They get push into the pocket. And they're covering way better than I thought they could. And they did this without Brian Branch, their rookie, who's been probably their best secondary member. He already has two interceptions on the year. He was out in this game. We'll see if he can come back for this game against the Baltimore Ravens. But every time I watch the Detroit Lions, I come away impressed. And I'll admit, I'll put my hand up. Like In the offseason, I thought that this was all just a lot of hype. And this was going to come back down to earth. And people were falling in love with the way they ended the uh, last season, winning seven of eight games or whatever it was. But they have picked up right where they left off. You mentioned Dan Campbell covering machine. Best ATS coach since he's entered the league. Like This team is is for real and I, I don't know if I would quite put them up there that's why I'm curious to get your thoughts with the Eagles and the Niners but they're pretty close like, like they're pretty they're, clearly they're be, the number three team in the NFC they're going to be hard for the Eagles and the Niners to play there's no question now the Niners probably will spread them out better the Eagles you know the they'll match up to the Eagle offensive line yeah the, 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 when you play the Niners or you play the Eagles you got to match up to the fronts and they can. They can block them up front with their offensive line, and they can block. Look, they scored 21 points on the Chiefs, which is a really good defense. So, you know, and look, Baker's 2-for-12 on third down, 16%. You know, I mean, the score's 20-16, to 16, but once again, the Lions, they were 0-for-2. I didn't even count them in the stats. They were 0-for-2 in the red zone. So I didn't count them in my 5-for-31 number, but still <laughs> – I think to me they're 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 even if they go to Baltimore and lose next week, like don't you that you you gotta they in my power ranking they were sixth and they belong in the top five power ranking. There's no doubt. Hundred percent. Dan Campbell actually your your betting favorite now for coach of the year, by the way. Doing a terrific job out there. And Aaron Glenn's done a great job with the defense. Yeah. You cannot I mean he's done a great job. For as all the Ben Johnson talk, he holds Tampa to six points. That's a great job. My question to you, Femi, is who you betting in the South? Because I think they all suck. I mean, Tampa's the best team. They yeah, have no offense. Still... New Orleans is a good de- offense. But did you watch Derek Carr yesterday? What's this bullshit about? Well, if Carr ever has a good defense, he'll go to the Super Bowl. Where are those people? Did you watch the game yesterday? Did you watch that game? 
I, I saw 0 for 3 in the red zone. <laughs> this is what I saw when the New Orleans Saints. I mean, he was horrendous. You know, and I, I love the quote he had after the game where he says, you know, basically he said, uh, you know, I, I forget about stats. I just want the wins. Seriously? He's a check down Like, artist. how about making a play to help the team win? How, how about making a play to help the team win? Like, th- this is no different than what we saw in Las Vegas, right? I mean, I, I, I took the Saints on Pat McAfee. I like that. So, you know, I mean, I watched this game closely. He has 50 attempts for 352 yards. He makes no plays that really make the, make the game different. And they're, and they're 0 for 3 in the red zone. Now, I know they missed two field goals. I get that. Mm-hmm. One was long, one was short. But still, how about – do we have to constantly throw checkdowns? The checkdown to Kamara on fourth down, that was just like – you expect Kamara to beat two though, guys? Femi. He's <laughs> done it before for the Raiders. He yeah. used to do it all – like, and then when the play breaks down, look, everybody will tell you, when the play breaks down, that's when he's not going to make a play. It's It's bad. It, it really is bad. And it's a game that when you look at the, the, the box score analysis and all that stuff, it's like, wow, how did New Orleans not win this game? But it, once again, the red zone is where the difference in that game was. Texans 2 for 4, Saints 0 for 3. I mean, the New Orleans, get this, Michael, they had 430 yards of offense to the Houston Texans wa- 297. I watched it. I watched it. And everybody's complaining about Pete Carmichael. Everybody's saying, well, no, you know, no, if, not a Car- if Carr just has a defense, he'll go to the Super Bowl. Like all those years in Oakland and Las Vegas were just because they didn't have good defense, but he was great. Yeah, he'll put up great numbers. These are great numbers. But he's not gonna. They didn't win the game. At some point, you got to win the game. You got to make a play to win the game. Like, when are you going to make a play to win the game? Right. I, that that's what it comes down to. You got to make plays to win the game. You got to put the ball in the right spot. Make a play to win the game. Get the ball into the end zone. He ain't doing that. I know he's reckless at times, but man, why not try Jameis Winston? Like, honestly, like at least Jameis will try to make plays. Now he's going to make some for the other team as well. Uh, so that's a problem. Well, but Carr makes him for the other team too. Exactly. I, you know, what do he say after the game? I just want to win. I, I, the yards are great. Well, if you, the yards are great, what do you care about them? I could care less. Yes, you do. You do care. Like, come on, man. Like, make a play. The Saints there. That's a game they should have won. Now they got to play Thursday night. Whether whether uh, Lawrence is going to be healthy because he left the game. You know, and it, it, he's in the game when he shouldn't have been in the game, but he's in the game at the end of the game, and he runs a bootleg. He gets he gets hurt. He limps off the field. Now they say he didn't limp at the press conference, but my lord, mm-hmm. that's it. That's and, not that's not a good situation. He has and, an MRI. And, and let today. me tell you something, guard. I was on the Colts. That was a wrong handicap. Horrible handicap by me, because the Colts with Minshew, they play small. They look small. You know and Steichen goes for it on fourth down. I mean, I think he thinks he has the Eagle team going for it on fourth down. Like, he turns points down. Like, here's what I'm talking about. Do you know who's on the field? He's watching Minshew play the whole day. Mm-hmm. And on fourth down, he all of a sudden, he's going to turn into fucking Hercules and make a play, take the three points, and then the next play, you got a field goal. Right? Mm-hmm. The next play, you get a field goal. That game was a disaster for the Colts. I was actually surprised that a lot of people liked 
Indianapolis in that spot there. I, I get that Jacksonville is coming back from overseas in a couple that weeks and all that stuff. Me. Yeah, because like I was like, man, like we because I feel like we talked about this on this pod last week or might have been on Thursday when it says, hey, Minshew as a reliever when he comes into the game, fine. Minshew as a starter, eh, I can't really get there. And this is kind of what it's going to be like for Indianapolis now with this guy as your starting quarterback. Like, and it sounds like it's for the foreseeable future. All the Sunday morning reports are saying they're considering season-ending injury uh, oh, surgery for, for Richardson. He's out. I mean, and Justin Fields, you know, he's not going to play any. I mean, Justin Fields probably going to be out for I mean, with that fracture, uh, they say it wasn't broken. But when you're Just talking located. about a thumb injury for a quarterback, when it's sw- you see the swelling of it, it immediately. Look bad. bad. I mean, it, he, he's going to miss a bunch of time now. Again, you know, so you're now you're back on the backup quarterback. Same thing with Garoppolo. We didn't talk about this game, but mm-hmm. Garoppolo, you know, I said to Millie during the game, I'm like, he's not coming back in the second half. I don't know what he had. He said it back. But I've never heard of somebody with a back injury going to the hospital. Have you? No, no. That's. I mean, you know, I don't know. So there had to be something there, you know, and everybody was complaining because they put Hoyer in. And, you know, well. that that's tip because O'Connell needs every single rep he can get, right? He needs every – he's a rookie quarterback. He needs every rep. That's why P.J. Walker, PJ Walker was playing for the Browns. They went through the 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 the, the Thompson Robinsons experiment. They went to a veteran guy because he could play on a shorter notice. Yeah. I think if they if if Garoppolo can't go next week, I would suspect they go back to O'Connell. But I mean, look, the Garoppolo can't stay healthy. I mean, it, it's like every time he gets hit, you feel like he's not going to get off the ground. It really is unfortunate, Jimmy Garoppolo leaving with a back injury. I mean, he was a TD pass and interception 162 yesterday before leaving the game. And it was heck of a heck of an effort by that Raiders defense once again. I, I know the Patriots offense is dealing with a lot of stuff and, and not scoring a lot of points and not moving it on anybody. But Max Crosby and the crew closed the game out there with that safety. Uh, New England, I'm sure like a, a lot of people who bet New England feel like they were done wrong. But as we talked about before we even started recording, like they probably were fortunate to even be in the game at the end of that situation. I mean, what did the Raiders punt twice in the game? Yeah. Right? They punted twice in the game. They only had nine possessions. New England controlled the ball for 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. But, you know, at the end of the day, they got the holding call. I mean, you know, situational football. They didn't play good enough. I mean, the Raiders still had 348 yards of offense. Hoyer makes the deep throw. The red zone, the only reason this game's close in the first half is the red zone. I mean, they they, they got to figure out a way to get better in the red zone. I mean, the red zone was horrendous. Run, you know, you can't get the ball in the end zone. You're one for six in the red zone. 0 for 1 on goal to go. You get a, What happens all the time? I, I, every time it happens, I said a million. Watch. Anytime you get a holding call in the red zone, over, yeah. the next play is going to be – you're going to make a mistake, turnover, or something happens. Yeah. The funny thing how the NFL works, when you miss your opportunities like Devontae Parker dropping the pass from Mac Jones, two plays later, safety, game over. Like, that's the that's NFL. exactly right. <laughs> that's the NFL, man. You can't Holding call. Holding call. And then turnover. Just. And Crosby redeemed himself with the sack. He did. He did. Ended the game. The Raiders now 3-3. Three and three. And, oh, by the way, they'll be playing the Chicago Bears next Sunday. All right, we'll get to the rest of it on the other side. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. 
my daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule. And that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. This is one that's near and dear to my heart here, Michael, not because I I care about the wins and losses for the Seattle Seahawks, because uh, I bet Seahawks plus three. And watching Mm -hmm. that game against Cincinnati, one for five in the red zone, end the game with two turnover on downs inside the red zone, under two and a half minutes to go. I I get that Cincinnati won the game, but my goodness, uh, Seattle should have won this game, in my opinion. I was on the Bengals. It was two and a half. I gave it out. On, on it was a win. I, you know, I, I feel like the second half the Bengals did absolutely nothing. What they have three punts and a field goal, four punts, a field goal and an interception. You know, I mean, they basically had four first downs in the second half. They kind of let it just go. But I think one of the things that happens in the red zone, right? One of the things that happens while you're one for five in the red zone is because, you know, the corners can sit on the routes. There's no stretch of the field. And so the quarterback has to hold the ball a little bit longer. And with the backup tackles in for Seattle, that, you know, then you're getting pressure on the quarterback. And that's where I think that's what happened. You get a call, you know, that they had the the block in the back that really wasn't necessary over on the sideline there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that moved the ball back. So I mean, it was one of those where I agree. I think if they play this game ten times, I get the feeling that Seattle's gonna win seven of them. Because I feel like the narrative now, because Cincinnati, they're going into their bye week, three and three. I feel like a lot of people think that this is crisis averted. Burrow will be back and healthier. But I feel like Burrow's healthy. He's fine right now. Cincinnati's problems, it's other stuff, don't you think? Like it's, oh, not, yeah. it's, not, it's not just Burrow. Like, like I don't get the feeling, even watching their last couple games, even the game last week when they beat Arizona, that Cincinnati is close to the contending team we thought they were. That offensive line's a problem. I mean, look, they gained 214 yards, Femi. They average four yards of play. He won't call runs. He won't diversify the portfolio. I'm talking about Zach Taylor. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they get – I mean, they had 15 first downs. They had two by by, by penalty. He was three of 11 on third down. If, it, if he has to throw it, he can't throw it. Seattle put pressure on him. Like this, to me, Cincinnati plays Cleveland. Cleveland's defense will oh. continue to destroy him. Yeah. It won't be cl- – it will. Now, there are, the, the, I thought their defense played better. Yesterday, but they play red zone defense well. You know, Metcalf gets hurt. I mean, think about the second half. I talk about the second half for the for the for the Brown for the Bengals. Second half for Seattle. Interception, field goal, interception, punt, down downs. I mean, they had they had uh, 
13 first downs in the second half and, and come out with three points. Think about that. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable <laughs> what happened in that game. But credit to the Bengals. They found a way to win it. You know, that's all that matters at the end of the day is are you going to win the game? But going forward, though, I do still have the same concerns about Cincinnati. And last point on Seattle, DK Metcalf, he's got to stop the, the the personal foul stuff. He does. He gets one every yeah. game, it feels like. It's like I, I get Pete Carroll lets guys be themselves and all that stuff and doesn't want to take their edge away. But like, come on, you're, you're hurting your team now at this point with these yeah. things. It's every week with DK Metcalf. You gotta knock it off, man. Like you're trying to win games here and getting in personal battles with DBs. Like what are we doing? Uh, moving over to LA, now that we got that off our chest. Uh, the Rams went ahead and beat the Cardinals 26 to nine here. LA's defense I thought was impressive a, a little bit here in this game. Uh, that's been in a question mark for mine uh, with that team here. Offensively, Cooper Cup, he's right back where he left off from a year ago or so. He and Stafford, that combination is deadly as always. Seven for 148 and a touchdown here as the Rams now sit at three and three. Yeah, I felt I felt like the longer this game, I love the Rams taking the seven, laying the seven. Yep. I gave it out on Russo, and it kind of played out the way I thought. It was going to be a close game for a half, and then when the Rams got to the second half and started to run the football, and then they took over the game. I mean, they basically got 13 first downs in the second half. They scored 20 points in the second half and put the game away. And the longer the game goes with the Cardinals – they just can't really match it. So Dobbs, I give this kid a ton of credit. He takes mm. a ton of hits. You know, without Connor, they're, they're kind of helpless. But the defense is no good. I mean, you know, they try to scheme things around. I mean, they did a good job in the first half scheming it up. I mean, they held the Rams to six points in the first half. But they couldn't make plays in the red zone. You know, offensively, they're, they're 0 for 3 in the red zone, the Cardinals. They score any touchdowns there. You know, they play as well as you could play, but – they just run out of gas. They're a 50-minute team. And that fourth quarter, again, they were outscored. They've been outscored 54 to 7 in the fourth. And in this game, and now it's 64 to 7 in the fourth. Yeah, they're, they're squeezing out all the juice out of that orange there in Arizona. I credit the coaching staff. They're getting those guys to be competitive in these games. But you can tell that there's a talent deficiency, which I'm sure they'll correct over the next uh, offseason and with the high picks that they do have uh, to go ahead and, and get this team back and better. Uh, but, yeah, Kyron Williams, shout out to him for the Rams. Second-year running back, he ran the ball really well. The Rams were just efficient on the ground in that second half, especially there. I believe a buck 72 for Kyron Williams. Uh, last game that we got to hit here in Atlanta, Commanders get a 24 to 16 win. They get outgained 402 to 193. If you took the if you took Washington and and the and you 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 came out the winner on the handicap, but it really wasn't. Atlanta was the right play. Atlanta has 400 yeah. yards of offense. 400. I mean, Washington's two for 10 on third down. Quarterback still getting the shit kicked out of him. Right. Sacked five more times in the game. Five Jeez. more times he sacked. He's going to get to 90 sacks this year. Yeah. At some point, when are we going to stop getting him hit? They Good average three nine a play, and the Falcons are at five five one, and they win the game because they turn the ball over. Yeah, that's that, that's the story of it: three turnovers to no turnovers. Uh, Sam Howell, he's outpacing David Carr in his rookie year with the Houston that? Texans. That's and Carr was he's always been like the like, was seventy two sacks in, in that inaugural season for the Houston Texans. Howell's getting killed, man, and I don't know how killed. long he can hang hang on like this. He's like, not gonna he's not gonna last much longer. I mean. I don't know how they – I mean, this Washington defense gives up another 400 yards. They're, you know, I mean, they were better on third down in this game. You know, Washington was out there for 36 minutes. They were out there for 36 minutes. It's crazy. They had 25 first downs in the game. That's and yet they come away – you know, they, they can't they – can't, they, they throw two fourth-quarter interceptions. Well, the three 
three second-half interceptions, two in the fourth quarter. That's your ball game. Uh, yeah, that's your game. And, and it goes back to – What do we to, got? They got the – we got to get the awards get in here, awards. Femi. Let's do the awards. Fred Palermo, best game plan of the week. Who's that going to? I mean, we just knew, we knew it before the game. I mean, we said Schwartz in the, against the, the Kyle Shanahan. He's got him. He's got his number. It's true. Best defensive game plan of the week, no doubt. Yeah, there's a stat I have here on the Cleveland Browns. This one from the, the NFL says the Browns have allowed 1,002 yards this season, the third fewest by a team through its first five games of a season since 1970. They are the best defense in football. They are right. the best defense in football. They, Unbelievable. They, not, not, let's stop it. There's some really good defenses in football, but the Browns are a cut above right now. God, they have so much damn speed on all levels of that defense. They're, they're ridiculously good. Uh, pretty scary what they can do if they get some good quarterback play whenever Deshaun Watson comes back. Uh, on the lamb, who's going on the lamb this week? I mean, Gardner Minshew, to me, was horrible. He played small. He didn't make any – I mean, he looked like like at some point – and, look, Jonathan Taylor's not the same. I mean, I know they gave him some money. Mm-hmm. Their, their offensive line got the shit kicked out of them, too. You know, you talk about golf on the road. How about the Colts on the road? I know they won in Baltimore, but this team on the road and crowd noise, I don't know. You might want to fade them yeah. with Minshew at quarterback particularly. Especially down there in Jacksonville. They have yet to win in Jacksonville. 2014 was the last time they did it when Andrew Luck was playing quarterback. Colts in, in Jacksonville. It's been that bad for them. Uh, the fraud of the week. Well, all these red zone offenses. Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore should have blown out Tennessee. That game had no business being close, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Rabel takes the three points. Smart play. Tries to get the onside kick. Can't get it. Jets win in spite of the red zone failures. Giants don't. Saints. Seattle. They're five for 31. Raiders and the Jets win, and so did Baltimore. They overcame bad red zones. Five for 31. Horrible. Yeah, that's just really bad from the red zone efficiency. If you don't know, now you know. Well, I, I think there's no question that the uh, Lions play well on the road. I think we can – can we bury that? Can we stop that? Can we stop that narrative now? Give Jared Goff his flowers. Guy's playing well. Everyone always bets. Their whole on team's him. playing well. Look, that they, that I don't think they played great on offense. They made plays on offense. Williams makes that incredible catch. St. Brown on third and fifteen mm-hmm. catches a crossing route and basically just makes guy. I mean, what a run! What a run after the catch! Incredible. Yeah, and they won this game with their defense. This defense, their defense, won the game. On that Amon Ross St. Brown touchdown, credit Josh Reynolds, too, with the block on that, on Great that block, run after yeah. catch. Great block to spring him free on that one. Uh, it is what it is. It, you know, it's almost impossible to go undefeated. We make such a big deal out of it. Back in 72 when they did it, they played 14 games. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't all this media attention. To go undefeated in the NFL, I, I think Miami – is the, the undefeated season in 72 is going to be like DiMaggio's hitting streak. It's going to be like Al Michaels' tie. No one's going to touch it. Like, no one's touching it, right? Like, it's impossible to beat. No team's going to go undefeated, nor do I think a team wants to go undefeated. Yeah. 17 games, the season's forever. I tell this to people all the time. When the, when the Packers beat the, beat the Cowboys in the championship game for the, to go to the Super Bowl, that was, that was New Year's Eve to, on the, uh, 67. The oh. season was over in, by the, before January, <laughs> right? And then there was the Super Bowl. So these seasons are forever. Yeah. There's no way. I, 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 to me, I don't think Miami is in. There's no team going undefeated. I don't care. 
that that champagne keeps popping every single year. And, and to your point, I mean, these seasons, we're, we're six games in for all these teams. We have 11 more games to go. There's still a lot of football yeah. left to be played. Don't panic and, and don't pop champagne or, or have confetti going either because uh, we know that there's twists and turns around the National Football League. Uh, that does it for the awards. We do have about 90 seconds left here. Monday Night Football, uh, my damn team. <laughs> my damn team, Monday Night Football in front of company. What do you, what do you think happens, Cowboys Chargers tonight? You know, Everybody loves that. Everybody's on the Chargers. They love the Chargers. You know, the game, I think, what is it, down to one and a half now? One, yeah, one and, and a half. So, I mean, everybody's betting the Chargers. I like the Cowboys. I think they'll come out and play well. I think when McCarthy can run the ball as a play caller, he's a much better play caller. If he can't run the ball, he gets in trouble. They'll run the ball. Eventually, they may not run it in the first five or ten plays. Eventually, they're going to be able to run the football. I think they were embarrassed last week. I'd be surprised if they didn't play well. I'd shock the line here because I think there is a reaction. Look, the Chargers are coming off a bye, much like yeah. Tampa coming off a bye. I know they have Eckler back. They don't have Mike Williams. They're going to have a hard time blocking. I, I like the Cowboys tonight. I didn't play it. I didn't have a pick in the game. But I'm telling you, the Sharps, the people that spend money on betting, they're all over Tampa. Uh, good I mean, they're all over Chargers. Chargers. They're all, like, it's like the Tampa game. The Sharps were over Tampa, the Saints – and this one, if you look at the graphs that we watch, yeah. that's where the money was. Oh, by the way, that's what I wanted to say, Femi, before we get out of here. Yeah. Uh, the book made out. 10% of the money yesterday was on the Jets. 7% was on the Raiders. 11 was on Houston. 13% was on Jacksonville. 25% was on Cleveland. What do they have in common? They all covered in one. How about that? <laughs> NFL betting, week-to-week <laughs> -week league. Uh, I hope you're right about the Dallas Cowboys. I don't want them to embarrass and be in front of company once again here on national TV. Uh, thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Visa. Thank you to you, Michael. I will talk to you on Thursday with another edition of the GM Shuffle.